here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. Thank you so much for staying with us. The number is always open for you to dial in with absolutely anything else that you want to discuss. 0891104207. This is SAFM and you're listening to Life Happens. My name is Pimelo Mutine. So today we are celebrating and just looking at what it's like um, being disabled during this time and with everything else that's going on, being young, being, um, you know, in an era where we are facing a, an ep- epidemic, a global one as well and the difficulties that all of us are facing right now compounded with the issues that living with the disabilities bring with them. So my guests are, I've got a few guests and they're just going to unpack for me what it's been like for them as, as people living with disability. Esile M. Fluzi is a law student and a model as well. She joins us now on the line. And uh, one of the things that Esile has been passionate about is to, ch- to, to, to be the difference that she wants to see. Esile, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Thank you so much for having me, Pamela. How much the world has changed, you know, since uh, your days are starting in pageants and so on. Just give us a sense of how different it has all been because if somebody uh, had to ask you, you know, in in your career, you're you're a law student, but you're also a model and you've been very active in in that space. But everything has almost come to an end, hasn't it? I mean, it's come to a standstill. Absolutely. I think um, given the industry that I'm in and the type of body that um, I represent, it's kind of difficult to infiltrate such spaces. And especially at a time like this, it kind of makes it even more difficult to infiltrate these spaces. But we still move, we still are adamant, and we still want to pursue that which we think we've been destined to do. You have a spinal injury. Won't you just yes. take us back to, you know, were you born with that spinal in- uh, No, it was an injury. So when, how yes. early on did you get it? So um, my first operation was at the age of two, but um, that didn't cause the impairment. At the age of 10, my second um, operation then caused the impairment. Um, so at the age of 10, like you can only imagine how a 10-year-old has to grapple and transition from being able-bodied, playing hockey and being out there to actually having to come a bit inward and try and find other things that they're passionate about. And, 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 and how I was that? Research, sorry. How it was, was that it, At the time, it was a bit difficult. I think as a 10-year-old, you're still trying to play because I used to play sports, so you were still trying to wish that, oh, hey, I wish I could do that, I wish I could do that. But in hindsight, looking back now, I think I understand that it was a blessing in disguise. At the time, obviously, it's not something I would have envisioned for myself, but looking back, I, I'm grateful that it happened the way it did. Oh, the word grateful, is easy. I am. <laughs> So, so you had a journey, you know, um, into pageants and you wanted to say, as you said, be the difference that you wanted to see. Tell yeah. me about that particular interest in modeling. So, firstly, it was a passion that I tried to fight in for the longest time because I never saw representation. I, I never thought that bodies like mine could be celebrated in those spaces. So, for the longest time, it was a, a, an internal fight of should I, should I not? Until I realized that if I, if 
there's so many other girls who are probably thinking the way I do and want to pursue this thing, but if we're going to hide behind the shadow, but it's not inclusive, it's not for us, yet, we're going to be stuck and we're not going to move forward. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me become the representation that I want to see. Let me infiltrate spaces that weren't necessarily designed for the girls who look like me and sort of um, disrupt what existing visions of what beauty is deemed to be in a society. And and why is that important, Isitli? I mean, just explain to us what representation means for someone like yourself. Why is it important that you see people like yourself being part of, uh, you know, things like pageants and so on? So, like, like I said, as a little girl, I, I, I never saw that. Um, so when I didn't see it, I didn't think it could happen. And the worst thing you can do for little girls growing up and for the youth in general is to stifle them and feel like their dream gone started the or they don't matter. So my thing is to just turn up the message that our dreams don't really care about what we look like. They don't really care about our background. They just expect us or require us to show up. So that is exactly what I did. That's exactly what I'm trying to inculcate in society. It's to just show up and everything will fall into place when we do that. All right, I'm going to ask you to just uh, just hold on the line there, Isitla, because uh, your line is not great and we need to hear you better. So we're going to sort that out. In the meantime, I want to speak to Nzwaki Piladi, who is the owner of uh, Beyond Ability Talent Solutions. She also is as, as, as a person with a differently abled body. Nzwaki, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Otunelo. Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, but just before we proceed with the interview, I just need to uh, correct two things. Um, my surname is Padi, and uh, and um, um, I am also a person without disability. You're, you're a person without disability? Yes. So is it just the agency that you run that is helping people with able, differently abled people? That's correct, yes. Uh, for the past 10 years, um, we've been making available uh, various opportunities for, for persons with disabilities, be it leadership opportunities, internships, or facilitating procurement opportunities for entrepreneurs with disabilities with, uh, with uh, uh, corporate companies. Okay, all right. And, and, and what are the hurdles there in Zwaki? Well, it's a variety of hurdles. Um, firstly, you're talking access, and you're also talking inclusion as well, and you're also talking um, barriers such as um, attitudinal barriers, environmental barriers, and and, and also um, communication barriers. And um, well, we we should be pleased that um, South Africa is a signatory to the Convention um, on the Rights of, pers- of of Persons with Disabilities it's, it's, as a country or one of the signatories. So. Um, so I find most instances it's aligning um, to those uh, principles and clauses as said by the CLPD. However, um, we still have um, a long way to go where the emancipation of persons with disabilities is concerned. And, and I mean, what needs to happen for those things to happen? Because it's one thing to have the law be on our side, but if they're not really realized, that's another story. That, that's true. Um, implementation is another one. Mm. Um, and, and obviously, um, implementation is, is usually um, you know, hindered by, by, by attitudes and also ignorance. And, and, and my take is that um, you know, um, most employers, most corporates, and also some institutions um, are yet to actually um, empower themselves on, on disability subjects so that they, they, they act accordingly. I mean, 
when you speak about attitudes, those are very difficult to deal with because attitude, you know, it's not written anywhere in legislature. You know, it's it's just an attitude and things that people bring with them from wherever they come from. Changing that will take some doing. And what are what are some of the things that you suggest happen to change attitudes? Well, well, it, it, it starts with um, sensitization and also um, awareness, but also a will. Mm. You know, because, um, for instance, I mean, my, my belief is that where does the will is a way? And, um, and if you understand the why, I think in certain instances it becomes easier for you to actually to act right and act accordingly and do what needs, uh, what needs to be done. So the, the challenge is that, I mean, if you think of it, I mean, even in our curriculum, um, we are never taught or empowered into the beauty subject. We only, got, we only get to interact with a disability subjects whenever we are faced with a family member or maybe we interact um, with disability uh, directors. So maybe after, after an injury or after a disability or, so, or after a, a, a degeneration, uh, a health degeneration. So um, I think it takes um, reviewing our, our, our ignorance around disability subjects. So, so just give me a sense of the reality on the ground. Is it when um, I beg your pardon, Zwaki, When when you send somebody to an interview, that conversation around the disability, or when you send through their paperwork, is that something that you advise for them to disclose up front or not? Well, in in our case, um, we usually um, counsel candidates to actually to only to to only respond to who they see themselves as okay. so, or, or, or what they identify as. Ah. So, because you can imagine, um, we can't impose your identity. Mm. So, I mean, you can imagine that disability forms part of your identity. So, um, whenever in a position order, for instance, I mean, you know, if we see you limping, we impose the fact that you have a physical, a, a physical disability. Mm. We allow you to share with us how you, how you identify. So, so, and and by the same time, we also counsel candidates to actually share that disability because of once an employer is aware of your disability, they're also able to reasonably accommodate you um, in terms of in terms of the support that you may require once you have been employed. And, and then again, if you think of it, that reasonable accommodation process does not only start with you as an employee, but it also starts with you. Um, as a candidate during the job interview process. It may be transport to get to the interview. It may be a sign language interpreter that you may require during your interview. It may be, say, an, an alternative uh, application form that you may require during the interview. So the reasonable accommodation that you require in an interview varies. So it's always important that, you know, where you meet the employer halfway in disclosing when you're comfortable to disclose. However, we never impose um, uh, um, that that responsibility to to um, to, dis- to disclose or declare to your employer. However, it's advantageous if you do declare. And 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 the trouble, though, at that point, one then says, uh, how how do you know if if that was the if you didn't get the job? How do you know if you were discriminated against because of that? How do you navigate that space? If you if you really believe that you you probably didn't get the job because you were discriminated against, how do we then deal with that? That's that's an interesting one, Osmele, uh, because if you think of it, um, uh, in certain instances, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, that discrimination is not sometimes apparent. However, it for me, I usually encourage you to know about, for instance, I mean, persons with disabilities continually empower themselves. With their, with, uh, empower themselves in terms of their rights. 
How, because of, if you think of it, um, you know, uh, like, like, like I mentioned earlier on, South Africa has ratified and is participating in a number of signatories that support um, uh, um, the promotion and protection of, of, of the rights of persons with disabilities. However, most persons with disabilities are not yet conversant on their rights as persons with disabilities. And it makes it easier for them to be exploited and be, and be vulnerable to, to situations that, that, that exploit them. So for me, it's, it's personally, I think that it starts with the person with a disability becoming conversant in, in, in terms of their rights, familiarizing themselves with, with uh, policies um, that affect persons with disabilities at an international level and also at, 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 at a local level. Because in a way, when, when someone starts to discriminate you, you'll be able to decipher, you know, that, that I think um, my rights are being violated here. However, I also take the responsibility as well to, to specialist recruitment agencies like ourselves and also, and also disability services organizations to actually um, controlly empower their candidates or, or their beneficiaries on the rights of persons with disabilities. Because if you think of it, when you talk legislation, you're talking boosts and boosts. Of, and, and, and you're also talking fine prints and, and, and technicalities as well. So it's important for, for organizations that work with persons, persons with disabilities to empower their beneficiaries on, on, on their rights, such that when they're exposed to situations that expect them to assert themselves, they are confident uh, on their rights. But, you know, Ntwaki, and, and I hear that one of the difficulties, though, is sometimes to prove attitude. So if it's not... A blatant and nobody says anything but you sense it you know it's, it's I suppose like racism and so on it's okay. very difficult then to to then be clear in in accusing somebody of discriminating against you so then the question then becomes I mean are there examples where, where somebody was successful in that kind of a litigation well you know I'm I'm also very again that you're raising that issue because of, if you think of it I mean in South Africa, we have institutions such as the South African Human Rights uh, yeah. Commission and also the Equality Court. And I, and I can tell you right now that there are few persons with disabilities who are aware that whenever they have issues around their rights being vi- violated, they can actually interact with those institutions mm-hmm. to actually ensure that uh, um, you know, they escalate um, uh, issues that affect um, their, their human rights. So, so well... Like I mentioned earlier on, it's always difficult to decipher a right that 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 is due to you if you don't know about that right. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and and that's the state that we find ourselves in South Africa. Whereby, for instance, most persons with disabilities cannot even uh, claim or you know claim their their rights because they're not confident of their rights. So for me personally, I still feel that it starts with ensuring that persons with disabilities are confident of, of, of their rights, they're empowered in their rights, and in a way, they'll be able to actually even access those institutions that are supposed to empower them and support them um, where, where, where their rights are evaluated. I mean, for instance, I mean, if you think of it as a job seeker, yeah. um, I mean, how many, how many um, career portals or job portals are accessible for persons with blindness or for mm. persons with deafness. Mm. Um, and, and already that, that, that's a discriminatory practice mm. um, that affects, that sets a barrier to that, to that career seeker with a disability. And, and, and persons with disabilities face such discriminatory practices every day. But do they do anything about it? No, they're not doing anything about it because they're not confident on, 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 the part that, on, on the part that a person with a disability must not be discriminated against on the basis of their disability. And then it's a constitutional right. So, so 
for me, I saw that it starts with empowerment. Um, once people, people are empowered on their rights, they're able to claim them. I, I would imagine, so, okay, so I'm interested in what you've just said. I mean, I would imagine that even from school time, uh, when they go to a, just normal basic education, they would know that these are some of the things that they need to look out for. So when you say that people are not really doing their bit in, in challenging these uh, discriminations, it's because they don't know. I'm surprised. Is, is it because they don't know? Or is it because it's harder to challenge it? Well, it, it, well, it, 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 the, the issue may be multifaceted. Um, well, it, it's a question of not knowing, but at the same time, uh, then again, it, it's a question of do you even have do you even have the confidence yeah. to take on to take on these institutions? That's also another one. Mm. Um, and, and so, so, so it hence 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 my belief is, is that. The issue is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Now, for instance, I mean, like right now under COVID nineteen, if you think of it, I mean, persons with disabilities form part of the vulnerable group, and 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 if you think of it, I mean, it means that persons with disabilities must have um, uh, uh, transport supplies, mm. must have adequate supplies, uh, um, and, and and those are those are essential. I mean, even even with the webinars um, and, and even the online learning. Um, is it accessible for persons with disabilities? Um, even the digital literacy. So, for instance, I mean, you could see that most most retail platforms are moving to online, or they've always been online. Yeah. But are persons with disabilities digitally literate mm-hmm. to interact with those online platforms? Mm-hmm. You know, the so, communication that speaks to COVID nineteen. Yes. Is it available in all formats for persons persons with disabilities? Is it in plain language? Mm-hmm. Is it easy to use? Is it available? Um, if I'm a person with, say, for instance, like now the webinars that, that we're currently are participating in yeah. um, throughout, the period, throughout the lockdown period, is that webinar having closed captions, subtitles, is there, is, there, is there a sign language interpreter? So automatically, if I'm a person with deafness and I'm participating in that online learning platform or that webinar, I'm, I'm, I'm automatically excluded. Mm. And if I have an intellectual disability with attention issues, I'm automatically excluded because, for instance, I mean, if that meeting takes longer than, than 30 minutes, um, automatically my focus issues, uh, um, you know, come into place and, and, and you know, um, my, my participation in that meeting is affected. So my point is just that, you know, um, it, it, once, if you know what is due to you, you'll be able to actually approach or interact with that agency or that, that institution to say that, no, you recently organized a webinar and, and that webinar was not accessible for me. And, and, and it also goes back to those issues around interpersonal skills, your confidence to even address these matters. And sometimes I think persons with disabilities leave these issues to disability services organizations. And I think sometimes maybe disability services organizations also have limited capacity as well to, to address these issues. Zaki, oh, such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for bringing attention to all of the things that you've just spoken about. I really appreciate it. And Zwaki Pali is the owner of Beyond Ability Talent Solutions, and uh, they help place people living with uh, differently abled people into into careers and jobs and so on. And I really just thought that was very insightful. And Zwaki, thank you very, very much for your time. I thank you so much for having me. Osmelo. Uh, here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105FM in Mokopane. Oh, I love the topic. Um, I am a master student. I am 
professional and I have a mental disability. During this COVID-19, it's really not easy. And yeah, we need to be taken into consideration that being disabled, that does not mean that we are not able. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for staying with us. We are still continuing with that conversation. My guest is Isi Klemfluzi, who's a law student, a model as well, who's taken part in many uh, pageants. And, and all of that has come to a standstill, as we know, during this lockdown period because of COVID-19. And we're just really touching base on how how life is at the moment for differently abled people. Uh, Isi thank you so much for staying with us and for returning back to us on a better line. Um, so... With all that is happening around you as somebody who who's been really, really prominent in beauty pageants and so on, that change of focus for you, what has it meant for you? What what does the future hold for you? I think um the mandate is still the same. I think um I'm just stressing, especially in this time, the importance of pouring into yourself during um this time and, and deeming it paramount just to find ways to affirm our our beings and be consistent and continue challenging status quo. I think um, t- now is not the time to be silent. Now is not the time to be complacent. And I think that's just something I, I'm consistently inculcating within myself. But there's there's also the matter of isolation, right? All of us are feeling yeah. a little bit isolated. All of us are feeling a bit locked in because, you know, we are engaging less. We are seeing other people yeah. less. What has that meant? I mean, we were just talking to Nzwaki uh, a little bit earlier on who was just uh, raising issues of other challenges where there just isn't uh, accommodation of people who are differently abled on, on new platforms that we are seeing being used currently to communicate and so on. What is your experience there? I think um, it, it's it's not a secret that differently aided people were put on the back burner. Mm. I think we consistently have to scream for um, our beings to be heard. We consistently have to jump through hoops for us to be deemed as valid. So I think um, it just literally goes back to what Zaki was saying. I completely understand because I live it. I have the lived experience. Sometimes as differently able people, we just have to overcompensate in order to be heard and seen um, as compared to um able-bodied people rather and and i'm interested in what that means also for health health care right all it seems like everybody now is so preoccupied with COVID 19 nothing wrong with that it's very important but access to health care when clinics shut down because there is a case in that particular clinic what effect and impact it has on people accessing physio physiotherapy people accessing uh, their chronic medication and so on I think it just goes back to my point of us having to take the back burner. I think as much as COVID is a thing that we're supposed to be focusing on, I think we're forgetting the nitty-gritties of it all. And in forgetting the nitty-gritties, um, differently able people are the nitty-gritties. We're not considered. Um, I, from a point of advocating for students on campus, mm. um, I get messages that it's not the same anymore. As a visually impaired student, I can't do things the same because I'm back home and the environment is not conducive. Things like that that aren't being taken into consideration consideration due to this pandemic. And I think it's very important that we do do that. Yeah. Do, do you have, I mean, when you raise these issues, do you feel that you get an audience? Um, because there are people like yourself, there are people like Nzwaki who do make it known that, you know, you know, we, we need these things to be taken care of. Are you finding that there is an audience when you raise these issues, for instance, on campus and, and on that kind of um, thing? I think, I think the, 
my audience is the people that I'm advocating for. And that's mm. just the unfortunate thing about it. Um, we'd love for more um, able-bodied people to come into our spaces to understand us better. Because as much as we're advocating for ourselves, we're advocating for able-bodied people to understand us better so that we can all move the society equally. But um, you'll find that I'm literally speaking and preaching to the choir. Mm. Um, only the people who are affected by these issues actually pitch up. And able-bodied people are okay in their boxes. And I, I think that's why... I'm so hell-bent on actually infiltrating these spaces and um, for my advocacy to be heard and not fall on deaf ears. Sure. It's interesting that um, you you still feel that way, even though there are, I mean, I suppose formally there are structures within uh, institutions yeah, that are meant to be looking out for these kind of things. But you, you are saying mm-hmm. that, you know, you're almost speaking to, to the choir, you're speaking to yeah. the already, you're preaching to the converted and, and nobody else is sort of interested in what you have to say. And even in having those structures, you know, I think we, we wouldn't need those structures had society been built to encompass or become or be all-encompassing. Mm. The fact that we need those structures in place to actually see a, different able-bodied people as people is a problem in itself. Knowing what you know about your, your, your difficulties, even without COVID-19, I'm worried that this is another hurdle. And how much is this going to disenfranchise differently abled students, for instance? Because they've they've had other issues before, but now this is just another hurdle. How much is yeah. this going to disenfranchise those students? I think um, the students that I've, I've, I've liaised with on my council, I think it just takes us back to square one for most of us. Because most of um, the, the, the students I advocate for aren't students who come from well-off homes. Um, the, their, their access to university is deemed as a privilege in itself. So speaking on these things and actually having a voice on these things becomes difficult for them. And that's where people like us have to step up because we know better. And like like you said, a lot of um, different able people don't understand their rights. So it's really easy to just exploit us and just be like, okay, it's a privilege in itself that I'm in this space, so I just need to sort of be quiet and sort of conform to whatever it is that um, I'm being told to conform to. So I think it's very important for us to note the fact that when we do get go back to normal, and I pray that that's pretty soon, um, differently able people, differently able students who don't come from well or homes mm-hmm. go back to square one because in this time they're not doing much anyway. How, how do we make it better, those of us who are not differently abled? How do we make your lived experiences better? I think the minute we start seeing differently able-bodied people as able-bodied people um, and, and give them the same qualities that we give an able-bodied person, then it literally starts there. Like I said, for, for many years, I've had to feel like I have to overcompensate or I have to jump through hoops in order to be seen because people see my disability before they see me. Mm. And that's why I don't even like referring to the term disabled because it focuses on that which we cannot do. And people are so quick to lose sight of the many things that we're able to do while being in these bodies. So I think... Um, it literally starts with seeing us as people, able people who have the same ability to create a life that's equally fulfilling for ourselves, irrespective of the bodies that we're in. So what, what's your then choice? Um, as Nzwaki was saying, you know, different people come to this with different attitudes. Would you be the kind of person that would want people to know up front that you are a differently abled person or Absolutely. that's not a thing? You don't want to discuss that? 
I think I think the way society is, is, is shaped, if I don't display the fact that I am impaired, yeah. when I get there, it's not going to be a conducive space for me. Hmm. So you so feel I like you it, have to disclose it yes, so that it makes absolutely. it accessible for you, this, the, 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 you know, getting premises and all of that sorted out. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Esitla, thank you so much for, for taking the time to just uh, open our eyes a little bit. Your experience really is an eye-opener. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for having me, Pamela. Really Enjoy appreciate your day. it. Enjoy All the best. Esitla Mkluzi, who's a law student and a differently abled model as well, who has really broken many, many barriers. But um, things have changed somewhat since COVID-19, since she cannot participate in beauty pageants and so on. And so she's experiencing other challenges as a law student. And we were just having that conversation, what the experiences of a differently abled persons are during this COVID-19 period. It's two o'clock. Let's go to Utsila Saku for the latest in SABC News.